Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen. I'm Katie. And we are fresh off the worst spectator sport in the world. Mm-hmm. Maybe some people like staring at the surface of a lake for an hour, but I'm not going to hold my breath. <laughs> nice. Thanks. But let's just keep rolling into the rolling rehash. Last week, we covered the second half of chapter 26, the second task, and the corresponding film scenes. Magical revisionist history left Harry scrambling when it came time to actually face the merpeople. The bubblehead charm gave us a good clue as to what Hogwarts looks like in the time of a global pandemic. The Champions Gate crashed the lamest block party ever at the bottom of the lake, while the spectators above are throwing the shittiest watch party ever. Cho is saved by Cedric, only to almost drown again by forgetting to use her hands to swim instead of wave. Hermione decides to write a book about ignoring guys who literally just showed you how much they care by getting you kidnapped. Luckily, Crumb doesn't even know how to read. And in a life-or-death tournament where a 14-year-old who didn't actually enter is forced to compete and has already almost been barbecued by a dragon, people sure are judgy about how seriously he took his egg clue. During episode 97, Grindelow Fiasco... Our Potter pondering was, since Dumbledore can speak Mermish, if he were to go underwater and make those same noises, would it sound like English? Hi, this is Ashley, a new listener responding to the Potter pondering. I'm going to guess and say that would probably sound like rubbish underwater because underneath water even Harry trying to say spells in the book it didn't come out right and it you know sounded kind of funny but possibly maybe it has something to do with the words that the Mermish people trying to say above water sound different coming you know through the air than it would do through water so I don't know I think maybe Dumbledore hollering and screaming underwater would sound like Dumbledore hollering and screaming underwater Hello, it is the support badger here calling to leave a message about whether or not I think that the noises Dumbledore was making, if he spoke them underwater, would it sound like English? I'm very interested by this Potter pondering, but what I think is no, because when Harry's underwater in the book, he doesn't hear them talk like they mind stuff to him, right? Because when he tries to talk, it comes out as bubbles. So I think that with the egg, the egg had that like inner bubble thing. And that was something special that, yes, it sounded like mermish when he opened it. It was screeching. But when he put it underwater, that bubble had something magical about it because voices weren't actually talking. That didn't quite make sense the way that I wanted it to make sense but basically like nobody was actually like there breathing the words to life so they were able to make a sound but when Harry was underwater and he was trying to talk it always just came out as bubbles 
that's what I'm saying. I don't think that if Dumbledore went underwater, it would sound like English. No, I don't. I think that it would be different. Maybe if he took gillyweed and he had to, like, speak through his gills instead of his lungs, like, be very fishy. Yeah. So, in short, I don't think so. I think that it would be some other kind of communication that he would have to talk to them and I also think that JK didn't really think about it a lot when she wrote it but yeah I think it's really cool that Albus speaks Hermish though so useful above water but less useful underwater that's all I got hey guys it's Mike calling in my Potter pondering first time calling in not super psyched to hear myself on the next podcast, but apparently that's what we're doing these days. I think that when Dumbledore is speaking Mermish, I feel like the mermaids, like Harry was speaking just straight English to them underwater, and they totally understood him just fine, and they were able to speak basically English back. So my thinking is, by Dumbledore putting on all that screechy voice, whatever, when they're above water, I don't think that's him speaking Mermish. I think that's just him copying their accent, basically. So, like, he's basically just that asshole at dinner who pronounces, like, the Italian foods with an Italian accent, you know? Anyway, that's my thought about that. So, yeah. Bye. Hey, Katie. Hey, Ellen. It's Jackson here. So, this week's Spot of Pondering, yeah, it's clear that Dumbledore can speak Mermish, but... In the book, we see Harry speak English to the mer people when they're underwater, and they respond in English. So, I think Mermish as a language is, when it's the shrieking, is only above ground. I think that when they're underground, it just translates to English. And so, I think Dumbledore, like Harry, if he went underwater, would just speak English. That's that's just how I feel about it anyway. Thanks, guys. Hi, this is Michaela, Jackson's sister. How are you guys going? Um, this is going to be my first ever voice recording for a Potter Pondering. Anyway, thinking about your question about how it would be possible if Dumbledore were to speak Mermish underwater, it would come out as English. But um, I sort of thought about this with Jackson as well, and... As you wrote both in the film and in the book, Harry is actually just speaking to them underwater in just plain English. And anyway, like, I think it would just be the same for Dumbledore. Like, maybe it's different for above ground and underwater. Like, above ground, Dumbledore probably has to speak Mermish. As, remember in the song they say, they cannot sing above the ground. It all comes out as just painful screeches whereas like you know underwater if he just spoke normal english the mermaids can understand him clearly so yeah that's pretty much my thoughts about that question thank you to our keepers who called in their responses we really love getting to hear your voices and hope that we keep hearing some new ones right also thank you to those of you that respond on our facebook page we love getting to interact with you and read your wonderful thoughts our trivia question last week was, what is the title of the article that Rita Skeeter wrote about Harry and Hermione? The title of the trash article was Harry Potter's Secret Heartache. 
Congratulations goes to Jackson Miller. Woohoo! He really is starting up a streak as this is his second week in a row. Maybe he'll keep it up and get this week too and move on to week three. We shall see. For now, let's just keep rolling into the first half of chapter 27, Padfoot Returns, and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes. Chapter 27, Padfoot Returns, Part 1. After the second task, everyone really wants to hear details about what happened underwater, and for once, Ron gets to share in the spotlight with Harry, who notices that his story changes a little each time he tells it. It started out apparently truthful, with the information that Dumbledore put them all in a bewitched sleep in McGonagall's office, assuring them that they would wake up once back above the water. A week later, he's telling a thrilling tale of kidnap, where he struggled against 50 armed merpeople that beat him into submission and tied him up. He insists to Padma that he had his wand hidden up his sleeve and could have taken the mer idiots on at any time. Hermione, who is annoyed about being teased for being the thing Victor Crumb would most miss, calls Ron out, wondering if he was going to snore at them. This embarrasses him enough to switch back to the original version of the story. As they head into March, the weather dries out but a cruel wind replaces the wet. Owl Post is delayed because they keep getting blown off course, and the brown owl Harry sent to Sirius with a Hogsmeade date shows up on Friday morning with half its feathers sticking up the wrong way. Harry retrieves Sirius's reply and reads for them to be at the end of the road out of Hogsmeade, past Dervish and Bangs at 2 o'clock Saturday afternoon, and to bring as much food as they can. The trio can't believe he's come back to Hogsmeade, worried he will be caught, but Harry is also pleased with the idea of seeing his godfather again. This puts him in a much better mood than usual as they head to double potions, though that doesn't last long when they arrive and find Malfoy, Crab, Goyle, and Pansy Parkinson standing around waiting for their approach. Pansy is holding a copy of Witch Weekly and giggles when Harry, Ron, and Hermione arrive. She throws the magazine at Hermione, telling her she might find something interesting in it. Hermione catches it, and then Snape opens the door to beckon them into the classroom. The trio head to a table at the back of the dungeon, and while Snape writes ingredients on the board, Hermione searches through the magazine until she finds an article entitled Harry Potter's Secret Heartache, written by Rita Skeeter. It says that a love-deprived Harry had thought he found solace in his steady girlfriend, muggle-born Hermione Granger, but the plain yet ambitious girl has a taste for famous wizards that Harry cannot satisfy, and she has also been toying with the Bulgarian seeker, Victor Crumb. Pansy Parkinson thinks Hermione has been making love potions, which, Skeeter points out, are banned at Hogwarts and should be investigated by Albus Dumbledore. The article concludes with the hope that next time Harry bestows his heart on a worthier candidate. Ron tells Hermione that he told her not to annoy Rita Skeeter, saying she's made her out to be some sort of scarlet woman. Hermione laughs at this and says that Rita's losing her touch. She calls the article a pile of rubbish and tosses it on the empty chair next to her. She gives a sarcastic wave to the watching Slytherins, and then all three start unpacking their ingredients for their wit-sharpening potion. After about ten minutes, Hermione comments on something that is funny, wondering how Rita could have known that Victor invited her to visit him over the summer, 
because he asked right after he pulled her out of the lake, and she doesn't see how she could have known about that since she wasn't supposed to be there. Ron asks her what she had said to Victor, but Hermione doesn't respond, still wondering if Rita could have been there, maybe under an invisibility cloak. Ron asks about her response again, and Hermione starts to explain that she never really answered him because she was too busy worrying about Ron and Harry. Before she can go into any more detail, Snape interrupts them to take 10 points from Gryffindor for discussing Hermione's social life in class. He also notices the magazine and takes another 10 points before reading the whole article out loud and then deciding he should separate the three of them so they can focus on their potions. He leaves Weasley at the back table, sends Hermione to sit next to Pansy, and tells Harry to take the table in front of his desk. Harry furiously tosses his stuff into his cauldron and drags it up to the front table, refusing to look at Snape. He resumes working on his potion as Snape begins to try to provoke him, commenting on how the press attention is inflating his already over-large head, and saying that to him, he's nothing but a nasty little boy who considers the rules to be beneath him. Harry continues working, doing his best to ignore the potions master, but when Snape accuses him of breaking into his office, Harry swears that he hasn't been anywhere near his office. Snape tells him not to lie to him. He knows that the Boomslang skin and Gillyweed both came from his private stores, and he knows who stole them. Harry stares back at him, knowing that he didn't steal either. It was Hermione that stole the Boomslang skin back in their second year, and Dobby who stole the Gillyweed. Harry tells him that he doesn't know what he's talking about, and Snape insists that he knows he was out of bed the night his office was broken into, and though Moody may have joined his fan club, he will make him pay if he takes another nighttime stroll into his office. Harry coolly tells him that he will keep that in mind if he ever gets the urge to go in there, and Snape reaches inside his robes to pull out a small crystal bottle of a clear potion. He asks if Harry knows what it is, and when Harry says no, he explains that it's a very powerful truth potion called Veritaserum. If he suspects Harry again, it might end up in his evening pumpkin juice, and then they will find out if Harry's been in his office or not. Harry says nothing and returns to working on his potion, feeling very nervous about what would come out if Snape did slip him some truth potion. His thoughts are interrupted by a knock at the door, and when Snape says enter, Karkaroff comes into the room looking very agitated. The Bulgarian headmaster tells Snape that they need to talk, barely moving his lips. Snape tells him that they can talk after his lesson, and Karkaroff decides to hang around for the rest of class to prevent Snape from slipping away. Harry deliberately spills his armadillo bile two minutes before the bell so he can duck behind his cauldron and clear it up, and hear what Karkaroff has to say. As everyone else leaves, Harry listens as Snape asks Karkaroff what's so urgent. Karkaroff pulls up his left sleeve and shows Snape something, saying that it has never been that clear, and Snape cuts him off to tell him to put it away. Karkaroff tries to argue with him, but the potions master notices Harry and wants to know what he's doing. Harry innocently explains that he's clearing up his armadillo bile, and Karkaroff turns to leave. Not wanting to be left alone with an angry Snape, Harry rushes out too so he can tell Ron and Hermione what he just saw. As there are no movie scenes for this section, we are just going to discuss the first half of the book chapter and make parallels where we can. Yeah. I mean, what else can we do? There are a few ways that it ties in, but overall this is mostly just left out of the movie. Yep. 
The book starts off letting us know that Harry is happy that, after the second task, Ron is able to share the attention with him. Everybody wants to hear the details of what happened in the lake because they couldn't fucking watch it. Yeah. But Harry notices that every time Ron tells the story, it changes a little bit. Just a smidgen. Not not so much that you would notice, but you totally notice. <laughs> you totally notice because at first the story matched Hermione's pretty closely. Mm-hmm. The hostages were put in a bewitched sleep and told they would wake up when they were above water again. After about a week of telling this story, Ron started talking about kidnapping by 50 armed mer people who beat him into submission. <laughs> With minor changes. No big deal. <laughs> Just little bitty. Taking artistic liberties. That's Just all. Just a few. Yeah. Padma's more interested in Ron now that he's getting all this attention. And she makes it a point to stop and talk to him every time she sees him in the halls. Oh, of course. And he tells her that he had his wand up his sleeve the whole time and could have taken on those mer idiots anytime he wanted. I bet he could have. I bet he could have. He could have taken them down. People keep teasing Hermione about being the thing that Victor would miss the most. So she's pretty annoyed and snaps at Ron like, what, were you going to snore at him? <laughs> Now, see, we're getting a lot of sassy, Hermione. That was a wand <laughs> drop right there. Yeah. This actually successfully embarrasses Ron, and he reverts to the original story. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. It was a nice try, though, Ron. It was and it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think you went a little far at 50 armed murguards. Like, and, like, what, did they come get you out of bed? They're mermaids. I like, know. <laughs> I just imagine them, like, dragging themselves, like, Ursula-style dragging themselves across the boat land. Like, come on. <sighs> oh, Ronald. Ronald Weasley. You have good ideas, but you don't really think them through, kid. Anyway, the weather begins to dry out and becomes so windy that owls are blown off course, and this causes delays in the owl post. Poor Almazon Prime. Almazon... The brown owl that Harry used to send the Hogsmeade information returns with half its feathers going in the wrong direction. And as soon as Harry removes Sirius's reply, that owl flies off like, don't send me back out. Don't send me back out. <laughs> that owl's seen some shit. Yeah. <laughs> the letter is again very short with instructions to meet him just outside of Hogsmeade at two o'clock on Saturday and to bring as much food as possible. Harry, Ron, and Hermione are all in disbelief that Sirius would return and are concerned that he will be caught again, but Harry also really wants to see his dog father again. Yeah, I can get that, because on one hand, you're just like, this is so dangerous, why would you do this? But at the same time, you're like, but I want a hug. You're good to be here. <laughs> I need you. Yeah. This puts Harry in high spirits. Until they run into Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle with the Slytherin girls, who are huddled outside the door of their potions class, laughing at something that Harry can't see. Pansy giggles when Harry, Ron, and Hermione approach, and throws the copy of which weekly that they had been looking at at Hermione, telling her that there's something in there that should interest her. Hermione catches it, and at the same time, Snape opens the door and tells them to come into the classroom. Good timing. Right. <laughs> Almost like he planned that. Almost. The three head to a table in the back as usual, and Hermione quickly looks through the magazine while Snape is writing on the blackboard. She finds what Pansy was talking about in the center pages, and Harry and Ron lean in to look closer. 
There's a photograph of Harry along with an article by Rita Skeeter titled Harry Potter's Secret Heartache. Which is the article that the movie referenced earlier on when Hermione was irately reading all about her affections for the Bulgarian bonbon Victor Crumb. Victor Crumb. <laughs> Victor, I love you. <laughs> right. This was also our trivia question. Yep. It was definitely a bit different, though. Since the book version says that Harry had been deprived of love and that he had no idea he'd be suffering another emotional loss from his muggle-born girlfriend, Hermione Granger. Jesus, it's just so bad. It says that Hermione is ambitious with an interest in famous wizards. And she's also been toying with the world Quidditch Cup hero, Victor Crumb, who's invited her to visit in Bulgaria over the summer holidays. So similar, because mentions... Hermione and Crumb and all that good stuff. Yeah, more details, though. Yeah. As usual, the book has more details. What a shock. What? That's crazy. And not a 20-hour dragon chase? What? What the hell? Also in the article, Pansy Parkinson is quoted saying, Hermione's ugly and probably using love potions. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Which Skeeter says are banned at the school, so Dumbledore should probably investigate that. <laughs> And the article ends hoping that Harry Potter bestows his heart on a worthier candidate next time. That's just... That's, you're a bitch, Skeeter. Like, how do Man. you write an article about somebody and talk about their love life without talking to that person about their love life? How do you write an article about a 14-year-old? Well, 15. Harry's 14. Harry, Hermione's yeah. 15. Hermione's 15. And as we've discussed before, possibly 16 because of time turners right <laughs> but yeah like how do you write that article about 14 15 year olds calling one of them ugly and well she quoted but still she put that she in called there. her ugly. she called her ugly she called her ugly plain but ambitious all that bull yeah that's just come on you're a grown-ass woman. You're a trash grown-ass woman. She is such grown a ass trash woman. She is such trash a trash Oh, she's a garbage. <laughs> she is a garbage person. <laughs> garbage Skeeter. Ron says he told her not to annoy Rita Skeeter and that she's made Hermione out to be some sort of scarlet woman. Oh, yeah, because that's what everyone thinks when they see Hermione is scarlet woman boy what a hussy <laughs> hermione thinks that's hilarious too and ron's yeah. just like what that's what my mom calls him <laughs> of course it is oh ron you innocent little flower you but she also goes on to say that skeeter's lost her touch if this is the best she can do and she just tosses the magazine aside onto the chair next to her she smiles and waves sarcastically at the slytherins who are watching to see if it upsets any of them so I loved how she handled it. Yeah. That was really Bam pretty perfect. One drop number two. Mm-hmm. And then the three unpack the ingredients they need for their wit sharpening potion. As if Hermione needs it. Right. What? Ron and Harry might. A little bit. Yes. Ron more so than Harry, but Harry could use some too. Yes. Definitely. Facts. I feel like, so if the three of them make the potion, mm -hmm. then Ron needs to take Hermione's version of the potion. Harry is probably okay to take his own. Yeah. But Hermione should take Ron's and then they're all going to be on the same level. Probably. That sounds about right. Yeah. 
A short while later, Hermione wonders how she could have known about her being invited to Bulgaria. Because Victor asked her right after they came out of the lake. Yeah. So she's like, Rita's not supposed to be on school grounds. How could she have known he asked me that? How on earth would she have found out? How on earth indeed? Hmm. I wonder if we're going to find this out. Not in the movie, we won't. Right? (laughs) But Hermione reiterates their previous wonder if maybe she has an invisibility cloak. It is a thought. And really the only logical one, it would seem right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. And Ron's just sitting there this whole time like, what'd you say to Crumb? (laughs) like he asked her multiple times and she's just like not answering him and then finally she's just like okay well i never really said anything to him at all because i was more worried about you and harry coming out of the lake so unfortunately it's at this point that snape walks up of course he does and he mocks hermione's social life and takes 10 points from gryffindor for talking about it in his class dude do we want to really start judging people's social lives because i don't think snape's got a very good one himself it's jealousy totally jealousy totally this 15 year old girl has a better social life than he has ever even dreamed about having because he was supposed to get asked to bulgaria by victor Hmm. (laughs) yes that is what i meant (laughs) but he also ends up taking another 10 points away when he sees the copy of witch weekly under the table He then reads the article out loud to the whole class. Of course he does. Which makes it seem way worse than it initially was. Mm -hmm. So Hermione went from her wand drop moment of sarcastic wave to actually blushing because it's just terrible coming from Snape's mouth. Well, and it's in front of everyone. Oh my God. Could you just imagine Alan Rickman reading this? (sighs) I think you know what my response to that is. Newell! But Snape also decides that he needs to separate the trio so they can focus on their lesson and not their tangled love lives. <laughs> so he leaves Ron at the table that they're at. The asshole moves Hermione over to sit next to Pansy Parkinson because that seems like a good idea. Of course. And he tells Harry to move to the table right in front of his desk. So Harry does so very angrily pointedly not looking at Snape, and resumes working on his potion. Snape decides to goad Harry, saying that the press is inflating his already over-large head, and that not everybody in the wizarding world is impressed by him, that to him, Harry will always be a nasty little boy who considers the rules to be beneath him. Wow. Dude, you're a grown-ass man. Is he, though? Well, legally. (laughs) (laughs) Legally, by the standards of time, yeah, other such reasons that I can't think of right now, yes, he's a grown-ass man. And this is not a Snape that we ever saw in the movies. No, not at all. They never made him this cruel. Mm-mm. No, this is a new level for Snape. It's not necessarily a new low, but it's a new level. Yeah, he's going down. Yeah. I'm yelling timber. (laughs) (laughs) No, Ellen. Just no. Okay. So Harry's hands are slightly shaking out of anger while he continues working on his potion, still trying to ignore Snape, Mm -hmm. when the professor quietly accuses him of breaking into his office. Harry snaps, 
says he hasn't been anywhere near his office, and Snape accuses him again of taking boomslang skin and gillyweed from his personal stores. Yeah. I have to say I'm surprised at Harry. Like, I'm proud of him for, like, taking that long to snap, but then not necessarily jumping on top of these accusations either. Honestly, the choice to ignore him was very good, and he did that Mm -hmm. far better than you would expect hot-headed Harry to be able to. Yeah. I wish we could have seen Daniel do this. Right? I really do. Because he's determined to not look guilty as he stares back at Snape, even though he wasn't the one who stole either of those things. Mm -hmm. It was Hermione who stole the boomsling skin for their polyjuice potion in their second year, and Dobby who stole the gillyweed for Harry. It's interesting, though, because this brings back to when Myrtle mentioned the polyjuice potion earlier on in the film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they didn't do this in the film, but there was the implication in the movie that boomslang skin was needed currently. And maybe, just maybe, Snape was not referring to the boomslang skin that went missing two fucking years ago, Harry. Yeah, exactly. Snape holds a grudge, I don't necessarily think he's holding that grudge. Or if he even knows it was taken. Right. Two goddamn years ago. Right. Like, it seems pretty likely that the missing boomslang skin he's referring to is what went missing the night somebody broke into his office. Mm-hmm. And thanks to Harry, we know that was Barty Crouch. So weird. I mean, I don't want to call the man suspicious. He's fishy. But... He's got some secrets. He's got some secrets. (laughs) And then, of course, we know it was Dobby who stole the gillyweed. Mm -hmm. Or if you're watching the movie, you know, Neville. And he didn't even have to steal it. It wasn't in Snape's private stores. It was just there. I mean, why throw that in the movie? Yeah, I mean, it's not necessary. Yeah. We don't need it for future reference at all. Could you imagine, though, Neville breaking into Snape's office? I love the idea of it. I feel like that right there would be the proof, all the proof that we need that Neville is Gryffindor. Right? Honestly. Because that's literally his boggart. And a badass supreme. Yeah. But anyway, Harry lies and says he doesn't know what he's talking about. Except that he totally does. (laughs) And Snape hisses that he knows Harry was out of bed the night his office was broken into. Mm. Which is why I said this seems like this could be the time the boomsling skin went missing. If you're reading between the lines and don't already know how it ends like we do. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never read this book. I have no idea what you're talking about. Snape says that even if Mad-Eye Moody has joined his fan club, he will not tolerate Harry's behavior and will make him pay if he takes another nighttime stroll into his office. I mean, that sounds like a threat. I think it was a threat. Pretty sure that was a threat. It was totally a threat. Sounded like a threat to me. I think he threatened him. Threat. Harry responds by turning back to his potion and saying he'll keep that in mind if he ever gets the urge to go in there. (laughs) Oh, sassy Harry. We love you so. We've missed you. Snape reaches into his robes and pulls out a perfectly clear potion in a crystal bottle and tells Harry that it's Veritaserum, a terribly powerful truth potion. He also tells Harry that even though there are very strict ministry guidelines for the use of Veritaserum, if Harry isn't careful, his hand may just slip some into his evening pumpkin juice. Uh-oh. And then they'll know the truth about whether or not Harry was in his office. I think they'll know a lot of truths after that. 
<laughs> yeah. It's one of those situations where Snape might be wrong about that, but there's still plenty of other things. Yeah. That could get Harry into some serious trouble. And again, he does the very wise thing and chooses not to respond, just focuses on his potion ingredients. Mm-hmm. And you know that pissed Snape off even more. It was a good choice. <laughs> yeah. But he's thinking that he wouldn't doubt that Snape would slip him some. He's like, I would not put this past him even a little bit. No, not at all. And he shudders at the thought of what he would say if Snape did. Because he's like, uh, so many people would get in trouble. He thinks about Hermione stealing the Boomsling skin, which Two probably years isn't ago. what he was talking about. Dobby stealing the gillyweed. Mm -hmm. Neville. Or Neville. <laughs> his feelings for Cho. His dog father hiding in Hogsmeade. I feel like that would be over Cho, but he's, yeah. It's just a lot of things on his mind that he does not want to get out. Definitely. At this point, Professor Karkaroff knocks on the dungeon door and enters the classroom looking very irritated. Isn't that just his face? Yes. <laughs> but also telling Snape that they need to talk ASAP. Ah. Well, this is basically referenced later in the movie as well, so... We'll talk more about it then. But it really isn't the same. Yeah. In the book, Harry listens very hard, and Snape tells Karkaroff that they can talk after his lesson. Go away, <laughs> we'll talk later. <laughs> so the Durmstrang headmaster stays until the class is over so that Snape can't slip away. Probably again. Snape slippery. It's all that grease. <laughs> <laughs> Two minutes before the bell, Harry intentionally spills his armadillo vial so he can hide behind his cauldron to clean it up and listen in on their conversation because he meddles. I'm not that smart as hell. Like, that was actually pretty clever on his part. I mean, Harry's not stupid. He's just not a genius. Yeah. He has his moments. He also doesn't. <laughs> I guess that's why I'm just so surprised when he does. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Snape asks Karkaroff what's so urgent, and Harry peers around his cauldron to see Karkaroff pulling up his left robe sleeve to show Snape something on his left forearm. He begins to say that it hasn't been so clear since, but Snape cuts him off and tells him to put it away. Karkaroff presses the subject, and Snape tells him that they can talk later, and then... Notices Harry and is like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> I just cleaning up some armadillo bile, sir. I ain't doing nothing. I swears. Exactly. <laughs> Very innocently. Clearing up my armadillo bile. And he shows his professor the wet rag. Karkaroff looks both worried and angry and hurriedly leaves the dungeon, followed shortly after by Harry, who's like, fuck being in here alone with Snape. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> he gathers his things very quickly and rushes to tell Ron and Hermione what he just saw. <laughs> Wonder what they'll think. Who knows? I think we're going to find out. Probably. <laughs> and this is where we're going to cut the book chapter. As there are no movie scenes, as we've said, there are definitely no actors to talk about. So let's just go right into the Potter pondering. Mm-hmm. Which is, do you think Neville had to steal the gillyweed from Snape's private stores in the film, like Dobby had to steal it in the book? 
or do you think it was just available in the student stores? Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. And as we've mentioned before, you can also record it and email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com if you are long distance and cannot make that phone call. We really want to hear your voices. I know. I love it. Mm -hmm. This will bring us to our sorting hat story, which is from Sarah Baines Miller, one of our amazing patrons. She writes, I have been sorted repeatedly into Gryffindor, but in my heart, I know I am a Ravenclaw. My wand is spruce wood with a phoenix feather core, 10 and 3 quarters inches, and surprisingly swishy flexibility. My Patronus is a wild rabbit. I got into Harry Potter because my baby sister begged me to read the first three books so we'd have something to talk about when I called home from college. One interesting thing about me is that I was drunkenly dared to rewrite all of the books from Hermione's point of view, and because I am a stubborn ass, I have been doing just that. Hundreds of thousands of people have read my drunken dares so far. I finished the first two and am working slowly on the third. It's been a wild ride, let me tell you. We actually already shared your story in our bonus episode with you about your Hermione books, but thank you for letting us share it again in a regular episode too, Sarah. And thank you for being a patron. If any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might want to share with us. Or you can message it to us over social media. This week's trivia question is, what does Sirius ask the trio to refer to him by when they talk about him among themselves? The first one who responds with a correct answer in the code word hashtag dogfather will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. Make sure to check out our website at justkeeprolling.com and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you would like to help us continue creating more content, you can support us as a patron and get extra perks on patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. Speaking of patrons, we also want to give a shout out to our newest patron, Ashley with no E. Oh my gosh, Ashley is amazing. She has already been so active in the group chat, and she's just so funny. I love her to death. Seriously, you're awesome. We are so happy to have you join our group and our Just Keep Rolling family. It's so good to have you with us, Ashley. Thank you so much for becoming a patron. And join us next week when we talk about the second half of Chapter 27, Padfoot Returns, and the corresponding film scene that has nothing to do with the book chapter but didn't really fit in anywhere else. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just, just keep, keep rolling. rolling.